Okay, so if you were with us for our last Sunday school class, you will remember that we had been discussing what a healthy church member looks like and how we can more effectively love our church. And what we'll be studying for the next 15 weeks or so will essentially be a follow-up to that previous study. And kind of look at a little more practically how we can uh, put some feet to those things that we talked about, so to speak. Look a little bit more about what it looks like to love one another within our fellowship. And as a basis for that study, we will primarily be using material first and foremost from the Word of God, which I know you're happy to hear, um, and also material from uh, this book by Ed Welch that recently came out called Side by Side, Walking with Others in Wisdom and Love. Um, so that, that'll kind of be the basis. We'll bring in some other things as well. Uh, everything, Lord willing, God gives us grace, will be scripturally based. We'll stay on track. Uh, with that. Uh, in Welch's book here, he, he breaks up this uh, book into two sections, which will probably sound familiar to what we've previously discussed, especially if you were with us at the introduction of our last class. And those two sections that Welch kind of talks about is first, we are needy. Okay? And then the second half of the book talks about we are needed. Okay? So we are needy and we are needed, which is flowing right out of the last study that we had. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is to lay the foundation for this study by talking about the issue of us being needy. Now, as Christians, we, to a certain degree, have already confessed our neediness, right? When we, we came to Christ, we understood that God is holy, I'm a sinner, I deserve his wrath, I need Christ, right? So we've, we've confessed that, we've said that's necessary at our conversion. But one of the things that the scriptures clearly teach is that we never stop being needy all the way until glory. Right? There's never a moment of self-sufficiency in the life of a Christian, although we act like it at times. I don't know if that's true for you, but it is for me. So we'll never stop being needy until we are perfectly conformed into the image of Christ. But I think we could admit that oftentimes we have a hard time confessing our neediness, right? We at times, we, we deceive ourselves into thinking that as a Christian, I shouldn't be so needy now, right? I have Jesus so why do I have this neediness in my life? But what we see throughout Scripture is that we are in need not only in justification, but in sanctification as well, which is what our primary focus will be throughout this study on the aspect of our neediness in sanctification and how we're also needed in the sanctification of others. So with that, let me start off by asking you a question. Why would you say it is that we are oftentimes slow to declare our neediness to one another. And again, speaking specifically in the spiritual realm here, I know we can say, I have need of help uh, with getting my car fixed, or I have need of, right? 
those are, those are things that are necessary, but they're often on the surface. And oftentimes we have an easier time asking for those needs than we do for the deeper needs. So why, why is that, do you think? Let's get the discussion rolling here. James. In one word, ego. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Very good. Good. Ramon? Yes. That's right. Good. Excellent. Okay. So our ego, our pride get in the way. Any other things that you can think of of why we're slow to confess our neediness? Say it again. Very good. Yeah. You're, you're exposing yourself and you're making yourself vulnerable to other people, which can be a difficult thing at times, especially if you've been hurt in the past, right? You kind of carry that weight into future relationships with one another. Okay, what else can you think of? Stella? We need him when we are needed, not only in material things. Yes. We need Christ more and more to be on the journey we are going. Yeah. Dealing with people, and we have to ask him to give us strength to carry on. Yes, we do, absolutely. Yep. We have to confess that, right? Okay. So I, that's, that's kind of what I thought as well. All the things that you guys shared, I thought of afraid of what other people might think, right? We kind of have this facade up, like I'm a Christian, I can't appear weak, right, and, and needy, afraid of making ourselves vulnerable, afraid of how others might respond, right? What if, what if I express this neediness? How are they going to respond to that? Right? That's a real, real concern. Okay? So all of those are, are really helpful. Let's look at it, not, even, not necessarily within the context of the church, but also the world. How does the world perceive a needy person? A Very good. Okay? A burden. Right? Excellent. Okay? What else? Weak. Okay? Right? Okay, good. So all those things are true. Weak, right? Incompetent, right? You don't have the ability to, to stand on your own. Uh, a burden, as Jessica said, a taker rather than a giver, right? So you've got the world's perception of what they think regarding a needy person, and then we have our own battles within the church of confessing these things to one another, right? So Confessing your neediness is really a war at times, right? We have to understand that. And I like what Ed Welch said here. Go ahead and click to this. And if I can get somebody to read that for us. It says, it's not easy to ask for help. We spend a lot of time hiding our neediness because we are afraid of what people will think. Speaking personally, on most days I am happy to give help and reluctant for me, being needy is a sign of weakness, and given a choice, I prefer to appear strong at least, or at least confident. It's a great statement, isn't it? Right? On most days, I'm happy to give help and reluctant to ask for it. Right? Isn't that? That's the easier role, right? You'd rather be the one who contributes rather than the one being contributed to. And as has already been mentioned, at the, at the root of that is, is pride. Right? is our ego uh, being 
in the way. So I think we can all relate to what Welch is saying. But I like what he goes on to say. And if I can have somebody read that to us. Good. Right, so what does that look like in God's kingdom? How, how is neediness perceived in the kingdom of God? Right, as a virtue <laughs> rather than as a deficiency. Okay, right, so we, we want to make sure that we understand that. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does that presuppose? I'm needy, Lord. I, I come to you. I'm burdened, right? And that's what, that's what keeps us away from that in conversion, right, but also in sanctification. So with that in mind, I just want to give you a couple of thoughts this morning of what I believe the Bible says about this issue. And the first point is this, and I'm sorry I don't have a note sheet for you, but you can jot these things down. Um, the first is this, the Bible affirms our neediness. And again, I'm not speaking here about our need to be justified before God, but rather I'm speaking about our neediness in sanctification and how we, as the people of God, we, we play this vital role in each other's lives here. Okay? So let's take a look just at a few passages that speak to this end. Okay. Somebody can go ahead and read that for us. I'll make the font bigger next time. I didn't realize it was so small. Okay, think about that aspect of iron sharpening iron, right? What happens when two pieces of iron consistently bang against each other? Okay, good. There's sparks that happen, and that spark is an indication of change happening, right? Things are happening. As that iron pounds together, both pieces of the iron are being formed within that, right? And so the scriptures bring out to us here, iron sharpens iron just as one man sharpens another. And so God uses us in each other's lives to conform us into the image of Christ, right? So we play that role in each other's lives. An example that I think of here is uh, in the aspect of encouragement in 1 Samuel 23, Verses 15 and 16, remember when David is on the run from Saul here? David was in the wilderness of Ziph in Horesh when he saw that Saul had come out to take his life. So there's discouragement here, right? And then watch this. Then Saul's son Jonathan came to David in Horesh and encouraged him in his faith in God. So Jonathan was used as a means of grace in David's life at that moment to sharpen him to come alongside. And I think we would all confess that when we're in those relationships with one another and God is using us to help another brother or sister, we're also being helped, are we not? Right? Oftentimes you walk into a situation where you think you're going to be the blessing and you're the one who ends up being blessed. Okay? So it's mutual when it takes place. 
Now, when we think about this aspect, I like this little quote here um, that says, if a knife is blunt, it still continues to be a knife, although it is less effective, less useful in service. And so we should be encouraged by this. Okay, so that aspect of a, of a knife being blunt, right? Think about it from a terms of a Christian, a Christian who is not availing him or herself to the means of grace that God has given, who's neglecting the fellowship, right? They're not cast out of the kingdom, right? They need discipline in their lives. But through that undisciplined life, they're remaining less effective than they could be and less useful in the service of God than they could be. And so we should be encouraged by this to spend more time together exhorting, encouraging, praying, admonishing, sharing God's word, praying over God's word with one another and the needs of our local church that we may become sharper and more cutting in the, in the Lord that he may use us as he sees fit. Okay, So there's, there's a good example of what it looks like to, or the benefit of being in fellowship. If, if iron isn't banging up against another piece, or piece of iron, it's not going to change. And the same thing is true if we're not in each other's lives. Okay? There's not going to be that sharpening effect as God would have it. Okay? So we're necessary in each other's lives. I'll give you another passage here. Um, I was sharing with this with somebody a few weeks ago. Um, when you think about the Apostle Paul... Oftentimes, we have the tendency to exalt him, right? Oh, man, if only I had the life of Paul. Look at his life. It was so fruitful, and praise God, it was to the glory of God. And Paul rightly gave all that glory to God, right, saying, I, I am what I am by the, by the grace of God. But at the beginning of his letter to the church at Rome, you have this astounding statement by Paul telling him why he is desirous to come and see the believers in Rome, okay? Let's have somebody read through this, okay? Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, okay? If somebody can read that for us. Say it again. I'm sorry? Sure, yeah. Yeah, if it's too small, you can certainly read it from your Bible. Yep. Okay, what jumps out to you there in verses 11 and 12? Will? Definitely the, that we may be mutually encouraged. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he himself needs encouragement. Yes, exactly. Okay, so here's the Apostle Paul talking to these new Christians in Rome, and he's telling them, my desire is to come and see you, so that I may impart to you or give to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So there's, you have needs, church at Rome, right? God's using me as a means of grace to come and supply that need that you have. But I have needs, church at Rome. And so when I come to you, I'm not looking to just simply impart something. I'm looking to be mutually encouraged, 
by each other's faith. So here's a man who has walked with the Lord for some time at this point, coming to these new believers, and he's not looking upon them and saying, well, you're young in the faith, you don't have anything to offer. I'm the giver here. You're the receiver. Right? He said, I need it. And that's the mindset that we should all have, whether you've been in the faith for a year or for 40 years. We can never stop learning from one another and growing and being mutually encouraged in that. So Paul himself, looking at these believers, saying, you have something that I need. God is going to use you as a means of grace in my life, just as he's going to use me in your life as a means of grace. Right? So he's there to strengthen them, and he needs to be encouraged as well. Okay, take a look at another passage here. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Paul concluding his first letter here to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, and we urge you, brothers, okay, so he's speaking to the church, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Okay, so there's going to be needs in the church is what this is saying. There's going to be times where people need to be admonished. They need to be warned. They need to be exhorted or encouraged. There's going to be times when your heart is weak and your faith is weak and you're going to need to be encouraged. Okay? Helping the weak. Okay? Those who are despondent. And then notice this. Be patient with them all. And this is speaking to the whole church here. This isn't just speaking to one person and saying, you be patient with them all. This is talking about everybody. Be patient with one another as we grow into the image of Christ, right? So we, we all have that neediness in our lives, and there's going to be different seasons where we need to be admonished or encouraged or helped in various ways. But the point there is you're never going to stop being in need in the body of Christ. Okay? Until that day where faith becomes sight and hope becomes reality, and we see him as he is, and we are perfected. Even then, we'll be in perfect fellowship and in need of one another in that sense. Okay? One more passage here that I want to look at on this is Galatians 6, 2. Okay? Galatians 6, 2. And if I can have somebody read that for us. Okay, good. So, bear one another's burdens, right? So, here's the command giving to the, and remember, this isn't just to a, a church. It's to the churches in Galatia. Galatia was a region, so this is going out to multiple churches. There's an area here that Paul is writing to, and it's going out to a lot of different churches in this region. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? By coming alongside one another, right? So this is another good passage for somebody who would just say, well, I don't need the church, right? I don't need the church. I just have my relationship with Jesus. I can sit at home and everything is good. Well, this verse would speak against that. How are you fulfilling the law of Christ? Okay, which is love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself at home, right? So bear one another's burdens. 
I remember when Sabrina and some of the ladies were going through a study, uh, thank you, Gospel and Life by Tim Keller some years back. Um, she was sharing with me on this aspect of bearing one another's burdens. And the mindset here was a person walking down the road, be very familiar to them, with a large sack on their, on their back. And what was happening, I, we can't display that though, so I don't know how we're going to blow it up. But Sabrina has a really cool graphic if you want to see her after the class. You can, uh, <laughs> if, if, if I could blow that up, I would, but. Um, That's why you're not supposed to carry anything that happened between you and anybody in your church. Yeah, you got to resolve that, right? Discuss it. Yeah, you got to work it out. That's right. That's right. Right, you got to work it out. <laughs> yeah. So this aspect of this person walking down the road carrying this large sack and another person coming alongside them and taking on half the weight of that sack, so now it's easier for that other person, right? So you're not taking the whole burden off their back, right? You're coming alongside them to bear it along with them. And that's the role that we play in one another's lives. You see a brother or a sister burdened in the faith, you don't just look at them and say, I'll, I'll just look at you from a distance, you come alongside them and you see how you can help them. And listen, we're all battling these things. We all have burdens that we're carrying around in the faith. That's right. Amen. Okay. All right. So that's just, that's just a small sample of what the scripture teaches regarding our neediness. But hopefully you can see through these few illustrations how much the scriptures tell us that we need one another. And we have to be intimately equated with one another and in our in our lives. Okay, so the second thought that I had regarding what the Bible says about this issue of neediness, okay, is that, listen, God blesses the needy, but opposes the self-sufficient. God blesses the needy, but opposes the self-sufficient. You may think of James 4, where it talks about God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble kind of where that mindset is there. God blesses the needy, but he opposes the self-sufficient. And what I'd like to do here with the remainder of our time, Lord willing, is to walk through the, some of the Psalms and to look at the declarations that are made in the Psalms about our neediness and about what, how God responds to that. Okay? Listen, we can, we can come to a person in authority with a need and not have that need fulfilled, right? We could walk away despondent. That doesn't happen with the Lord. We come to the Lord with a need. He answers according to his will, but he doesn't send us away empty. He doesn't say, I can't supply that. I don't have the means to supply the need that you have, right? The issue is not with the giver. It's with us coming to the giver. That's the issue. Right. That's the issue is that we don't humble ourselves and come before the Lord. And one of the ways that we do that is by coming to one another, whom God has given us as a means of grace for our edification. So let's look at a few of, most of these will be up on the PowerPoint. And again, I apologize for the small font. Um, but we're, we're going to look up one of, the, one of the Psalms as well. Okay. So Psalm 40, verses 16 and 17. If somebody can read that for us. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your 
Okay. That's a great passage, isn't it? May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. Okay. And so here's David, right? Now think about David, who he is. He's the king. Okay. So kings typically don't really have deficiencies. Whatever they want, they typically get. Okay. A lot of times in the scriptures, when you see the aspect of the, the verbiage being used, poor and needy, it does respond to somebody in physical need, but not all the time. And you want to make sure that you understand that. Okay? Here, David's speaking about something greater than a physical need. Okay? As for me, I am poor and needy. But where is his confidence? Watch this. So there's the declaration. That's what I am. But the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Okay? So there, there's where is, I have a need. He's going to deliver right? God blesses the humble who come to him. Psalm 69, verses 30 through 33. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord, listen, for the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people. Okay, right? So we're coming to God. I have needs, right? I have things going on. Lord, I need strength. He hears the needy and he doesn't despise his own people. He's not going to cast us away. He provides. He provides. Amen. Unexpected. Yes, he does. Amen. Yeah. But she knew him moving the place, and yeah. we leave this all of our things and came Amen. back to certain things. Amen. And she asked me, could you use a little bit? You see, God supply your needs according Amen. to your riches and glory. Amen. God is a good God. You see, little bit by little bit. Amen. Amen. You give up. You just got to keep praying. Amen. Not ask her. That's she right. Ask me Amen. Can use. Amen. Because Praise the Lord. She knows. She, God is good. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that testimony, Stella. So there, there's an encouraging passage, right? You're feeling weak and discouraged. The Lord hears the needy and he doesn't despise his own people. Okay. How about Psalm? Actually, let's go to Psalm 71. And this is one that I want to turn to your Bibles for because we're going to read all of it. I was looking at it and I thought, well, yeah, this would be a good place. And then I kept reading and this would be a good place. And all right, let's just read it. One of those. And I want you to notice here the aspect of confession of neediness here, right? So Psalm 71. Maybe we could have a few people read this. There's 24 verses. So let's take uh, sections of eight. So we'll have three people read eight verses. Okay, so who would like to take the first eight? Forrest, thank you. And then who would take... Uh, verses 9 through 16. Scott, thanks. And then 17 through 24. Okay, Amy, thank you. First eight verses. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. 
be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel men. For you are my hope, O oh Lord God, and my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You were he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually with you. I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Amen. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for me for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. Hmm. With the mighty deeds of the Lord, God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, you have taught me to have my knees and you still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens, you who have shown great things. O God, who is like you, you who have shown me many troubles and distresses, will revive me again. Amen. What a great psalm. So you see all throughout this psalm this constant expression of request, neediness. God, help me. Don't forsake me. Don't leave me. Intermingled with praise at the goodness of God and his assurance that God will deliver. Right? I love verse 15. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. Right? And I know those of you who have been walking with the Lord, if somebody were to ask you, tell us of how the Lord has blessed you. You'd be, I don't, where do I begin? How do I even, and we can say that as younger saints as well, but right, they grow. They're past our knowledge. I can't even tell you all the ways that the Lord has blessed me. So you see this confession of neediness, this confession that God helped me, right? And God delivering and this encouragement that he is gleaning from that. Okay, so hopefully that's, uh, the Psalms are a catalyst for us to help us express our neediness to God and trust that he will supply the need that we have. As we look further here in Psalm 72, oh, let me back up there, verses 12 through 13. For he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. Okay? So there's declarations about how God blesses in the midst 
of that situation, of that neediness. But we must confess that neediness if we are to be helped. Psalm 86. This is really small up here anyway. Maybe not so bad there. Uh, Let me go ahead and read that. Verses 1 through 6 and then also 12 through 13. Okay. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. Isn't that a great statement? Listen to my plea for Okay, so there's, there's just declaration of neediness. Help me. And then you see and watch the transition here in verses 12 and 13. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Okay, so again, there's that declaration of neediness and that praise that God has delivered, and he will yet deliver again. Okay? So as we look throughout the Psalms, we just see this constant declaration, I'm needy, help me, please. I'm weak. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what the world thinks. This is the reality of what's going on in my life. I need help. But we're very slow to do that, are we not? Right? Especially to one another. Okay? Let's look at one more passage here in Psalm 109, verses 30 and 30. One, I love this verse. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise Him in the midst of the throng. For what, Listen to this. For He stands at the right hand of the needy one. Now, what, what is the right hand of God? It's His power, His strength. Right? He stands at the right hand of the needy one. He stands as, a, as one who will help, one who will supply power and strength. But who does he do this to? He does it to the needy one. He doesn't do it to the self-sufficient one, the one who doesn't recognize need. Okay? So, again, that, that's just the Psalms. We could look elsewhere in the Scriptures, but hopefully what you see there is that reality of our neediness and how God blesses that neediness, okay? Now, as we think about that, what effect should understanding our neediness and opening up about our neediness have upon our lives and the lives of those around us? Let me just open that up for you to to answer that. What effect should understanding our neediness and opening up about our neediness have upon our lives and the lives of those around us? What kind of results would that have if we were that type of people? Okay. What, what I get out of it, I give away all. I give all of my belongings and I leave it, you know. Mm-hmm. Never looking for return, but God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. Yes. Because I give with a willing heart, I give. Right. Yeah. I Amen. Gave. And looking to buy, and God is supplying. Right, right. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 
Amen. No, we definitely don't want to, we don't want that to characterize who we are, right? Okay, so what effect should that understanding of our neediness have upon our lives, right? It should make us a people who are in each other's lives confessing that neediness, right? Bringing that to one another, right? And this goes back to our previous study. As the depth of our relationship grows with one another, we will confess our neediness to one another more and more, right? Sometimes we're more apprehensive to share our needs with somebody that we don't really know. But when you have close, intimate fellowship with people and people know who you are and the needs that you have, that begins to open up, doesn't it? You begin to share those needs. So that points us to the reality of our need for those deep, intimate relationships within, within the body of Christ. I want to give a couple more quotes here that uh, Ed Welch shared in his book. He says this, Think of a time when you were in a group and someone spoke openly about a struggle in daily life. What happened next? In most instances, the group suddenly became more like a family. Other people opened up about their lives and the prayers of the group sounded more and more like the Psalms. When something like this happens, the myth that we have all life figured out is exposed and we begin to share one another's burdens, which is the way God intended it to be. That's a great statement, isn't it? Okay. He goes on and he says, we spend too much time concealing our neediness. We need to stop hiding being needy is our basic condition, right? And again, I think that deepens as we grow in our relationship with one another. As we grow in our fellowship with one another, we expose that neediness to one another more and more. I remember when I was reading through and going through a study years back with some of the guys uh, in the church, we were going through a little book by a guy named Milton Vincent, who has a short little book, very helpful, called A Gospel Primer. And it just talks about how the gospel affects us and so on and so forth. And when he was talking about this aspect of neediness, kind of hitting on the same thing that Welch was here about our unwillingness to share with that. And he said, you know, we, we trick ourselves because we're willing to say that here's how much I need God. I look at the cross and I declare the, the cross declares to me, I'm a really, really, really wicked man <laughs> because this is what it took in order for me to be made right with God. He said, but when we're in fellowship with one another, we're far less open about that because that pride within us keeps us from really opening up and sharing in one another's lives and expressing how needy we really are. And you know what happens to that? When somebody is not in close fellowship with others and they keep suppressing that neediness, right? If they're battling with sin, that sin will continue to grow in that person's life until this great downfall comes in a person's life because they rejected the, the humility that they needed in order, to be, in order to be helped. And so we need to be that type of people, right? We need to be a people who, who confess, look, we, we all look at the cross and we all say, we're really wicked. We need help. We're on this path together. Let's be real with one another. 
Okay, let's, let's grow together. Let's point each other to Jesus. Let's be a means of grace in each other's lives. Let's confess our neediness to one another so that we can be helped and that we can be built up. So this is what we'll seek to do as the body of Christ. We'll seek to build deeper relationships with one another and through those become more vulnerable in exposing our needs and through that we will be able to become greater instruments of grace in each other's lives so that we can grow in our relationship with God and one another and therefore bring him more glory with our lives. Okay? I'm going to stop there for today. Any thoughts, any closing comments? Forrest. Amen. 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 Right. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Forrest. Thanks for sharing that. Amen. Green. stuff. Okay, let me go ahead and uh, close us in prayer this morning. Well, Father, we thank you so much for uh, this time in your word. Lord, we confess that we are far more needy than we admit, either to you or to one another. Lord, make us a humble people. Lord, help us to see how truly dependent upon you we are and one another, Lord, as you have given us each other as a means of grace to be built up, to be strengthened. No member in the body was meant to function alone. We all have need of one another. And so, Lord, please help us to that end. May we be a community of believers here who are open and real and through that, see your grace poured out in amazing ways in our lives, Lord. For you indeed bless the needy, but you oppose the self-sufficient. Help us to remember that. May your name be glorified as we continue this study with one another, Lord, as we continue to look at your word. Please bless us with your presence. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.